Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your weekend? It's good. Got uh, you know, it's been uh, nice and kind of warm here, so it's uh, I'm I'm appreciative of not freezing cold weather. Put it that way. Mm, sure, sure. I think October and November was pretty cold and. Uh, I'll tell you, I have a, uh, now that you say that, I have a specific situation that will benefit from the, uh, shall we say, not yet frozen ground. Okay. Um, you've you've maybe seen in photos of my house that I have a big uh, wooden fence around the backyard. Yeah. That, uh, that we spray painted red. Um, you know, it's like barn red. Mm-hmm. But it was red before. Whatever. That's not important. Um, l- about a year... Oh, geez, almost two years ago now, um, my brothers and I patched up the fence. We like replaced a bunch of the pickets and replaced a couple of the posts. We moved a whole little section because it was right up against a tree. Um, and one of the posts that we didn't replace was in concrete. Uh, not all of them are. I think I've, from the little bit of research that I did, I'm fairly convinced that a normal just fence like that should not be put in concrete. But Okay. These were, not by me, but some previous owners. And what happens is um, the wood is weak at that at that point because the concrete doesn't move. And oh, right. water water gets in between the wood and the concrete and then just stays there. It can't run out because it's trapped in the concrete. Oh, anyway, yeah. the post uh, rotted through and broke right at the level of the concrete. So that area of the fence is just leaning in. Or out, Yuck. actually, from, from my yard. And so I think what we're going to do is take a T-post, which is a metal, or a steel fence post. Okay. Um, and drive that in behind it just to just to straighten it up. And we'd not be able to do that if the ground was frozen. So huh. that's that's handy. No, no frozen I bought, uh, talking about house, house updates, I've got all of the trim that I've cut and painted has been hung and I bought a bunch of inexpensive curtains at Ikea on my way back from Thanksgiving, which is whatever super, you know, it's curtains, but yeah, but it's um, like, it's like things that's hanging on the walls and stuff. Yeah. Getting, getting toward the home stretch. I'll have to hem up the bottoms because they're too long, but you know, you have that sometimes with curtains. Wait, Um, wait, hem up the bottom. Just go and buy cheaper curtains. Oh no. These, these are like, they're from IKEA, and they were, were like a pair of them for four fifty oh, okay. or something. They're they're so cheap. Right. Um, well, it's funny that you're going to hem them up. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I could just cut it, but then the bottom's going to fray. Yeah, right. Um, that'll you know, the, doing all of them for the whole house will take me like half an hour. So, huh. um, but anyway, gamer. I found a good deal on flooring. It's um, engineered hardwood, so it's somewhere in between real hardwood and uh, and laminate. Okay. Um, for all the first floor, um, I think all totaled, I think I'm going to be in and out of that for about thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks. Cool. And and that's for a little over six hundred square feet, which, if you do the math, is a pretty good deal. It's uh, right less than what does it come out to? It's less than two dollars, whatever that is. But after I got tax and delivery and everything, but we got that all stacked up. We still have to paint those walls and stuff before that can go down. But it's nice to, 
you know, get a deal on something so big, like, you know, you save, uh, you know, you get some movies on sale at Black Friday and you might save, you know, three, four, five dollars. Right. You get some, you get some flooring on sale and you're saving a couple hundred dollars. Right. It's always nice to see 20% off something like that. Right. Yeah. Where yeah. where you see 10% off something, you're like, yeah, that's just 10% off. But then you see it off like a car and you're like, whoa, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Man, I got to get my car. Speaking of home things, my car is slowly dying. It's, it's a it's mm. on its death legs. I've got a, my really nice car that I love and I've had for 15 years. I'll yeah. Was gonna, is that it. a, is that a nineties model? No, it's a 2005. Oh, five. Okay. It's the first Cause I remember I was, I was freshman in high school when they did that, when Ford did that design change. Yeah. It's pretty from, that's amazing from the old crappy style to the, the from cool the, style. I mean, you go far enough back and they were really cool in the sixties, but oh, yeah, no, the that's, one, that's, that's the exactly. ones they made in the eighties were just like any other tiny, you know, exactly. like a Pinto or a, ltd or something we're, we're talking about uh mustangs for those the ford mustangs yeah. yeah the yeah that's that's actually the thing about my car is is that it i liked that when i was a kid i liked i don't like a crazy enthusiast but if i had a car i liked lamborghinis and i liked the old 60s mustangs they just looked cool and yeah. and i had the little hot wheels cars and have a whole lot of hot wheels cars but those <laughs> ones i had and they were neat but all the mustangs i saw growing up were like like you said just boxy normal compact cars i don't know what whose idea mm-hmm. was it to make go from a hot rod muscle car line to a crappy consumer line but um they did and then in 2005 they just scrapped the whole line and went back to a muscle car look and that's why i was like oh my god i can actually kind of get a car that's like what i liked as a kid but modern and yeah so i got that's that was fortunate enough that's my first that's my first car that i bought like brand new ever like you Mm. know and that's pretty cool anyway i I love it i don't want to go into it but it's uh (laughs) it's um just falling apart it's just you know mm. over time things like the the uh the seats are just wearing they're all leather right. so it's just you know you can like 15 years of wear and i don't want to dump another couple thousand dollars for new seats and yeah yeah and then you've got um shocks and struts are gone and no ac in it and no heat <laughs> so it's time to time to time to buy a new one and you know Actually, the thing about that is time to buy a new car pay- have a new car payment for five years, right? But no one and no one will say it. But anyway, uh, I that's my crappy yeah. Thing like I that. I don't I don't do that. My car is a oh I think this one's an 06, and the one I had before was a two thousand. Hmm. Uh, the one I had before was like it had been in an accident, so I got got it really cheap. Nice. But it had weird things like it never had any AC and the windshield wipers didn't have uh spray spray mm-hmm. nozzles oh. and so if i was going to drive in the rain i'd have to stop at a gas station and put rain x on it to get but <laughs> That's funny. i drove that car for almost 10 years nice uh, maybe seven years and then year and a half two years ago i got the car i have now um which is a 06 mitsubishi no mitsubishi was the old one this one's a hyundai uh elantra I went. I went back to manual transmission. Which oh, nice. which yeah, I I won't go away. I mean, it's that's going to be one of my catch ups here. Buying a new or not catch hang ups, buying mm-hmm. new cars. It, I, it's got to be manual. I just I can't go back to an automatic. And they and they make both. You know, mine's a the Japanese uh, mm-hmm. or no Hyundai's uh, Korean. I think. Um, you know, it's an economy car, but right. I've I've always bought used and 
and paid cash. My Mitsubishi I paid like thirteen hundred for in uh, in '09, and this one I paid two grand for. Oh, nice! Two and a half good. years ago. So it's that's pretty just, good. Yeah. You know, I don't. I work from home. I only need to occasionally go into town or make the really long drive down to Bloomington. And when I do that, I'm sure glad that I have a car that gets 30 miles to the gallon. And not, <laughs> you know. I, I will say I've, I have, I've been really fortunate that I've always had like a garage and I always made a point that my garage wasn't a, just a storage place that I could sure. pull my car into it. And that has made my, you know, here we are on car talk today. Uh, but <laughs> is that uh, it's made my car look nice and run well for way longer than it would have any other time. You know, oh it's, yeah, it's just yeah. just storing it inside is. I cannot speak to how good it is to on, right. on a car, and so buying a new car, it lets it stay that way a lot longer. And longer, for w- sure. when I get a, I would not recommend. I'm not recommending people go out and buy new cars. I think that the, I honestly think that you should buy them a year or two older um, for, after yeah, they come definitely. out. But um, the the thing is that like I loved that there wasn't any pre existing problems. You know, right. and, and for like two years, if there was any problem cropped up, I didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. So you kind of have a, like what you say is a good, pristine kind of car. Um, and then it's up to you to wear it out. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, so if I just would take yeah, care of it, yeah. which I did. It lasts a long time and I do good stuff. And it's, so that made, it always made me feel good about being able to get on a road and know I'm going to drive somewhere long and have total confidence in it. And I've lost that confidence lately. And that mm-hmm. makes me feel that like, okay, I can't be driving a car that doesn't make me feel like I may not make it to Indy. Yeah, yeah, you don't want that. Right. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's that's going to be someday here on the show. But like, hey, well, I got a new car. I, I, Pat, our buddy Pat had bought a new truck about a month or so ago. And uh, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, well, somebody else has done it. And, you know, I got to, it's kind of pushing me in the direction to do it. Uh, so I'll. Yeah. And and our buddy Trotsky put put down a pre-order on that uh, that Blade Runner truck from did he really i mean it's it's a refundable deposit but oh i didn't know he he did that that's funny but that's weird that car is so weird (laughs) it's so strange yeah i mean i'm i'm all for like unique cars and having that stuff i i dig that but that is a weird thing um i'll tell you when i hit 15 16 and was you know looking at cars i you know i think most kids if you know i'm not I'm even less of a car person than you are mm-hmm. now. But at that age, the two cars that I wanted, I think this is pretty common, uh, DeLorean. DeLorean, or, yeah. yeah or the old old school uh, Volkswagen Beetle. I think that was before – they hadn't redone that yet when I was that age in the mid-early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always but, liked the, the thing. And like- they're, they're both like – both of those cars are so – cheaply made and i mean i mean <laughs> right. they they haven't made new deloreans and you know they didn't even make them very long at the right. time and so they're they're collectors cars now uh andrew my brother sent me one somebody was selling and it was red of all things <laughs> i'm like that's that's no good but it had i think it had less than 3000 miles on it wow i'm like this is a car that somebody bought and has sat in a museum or showroom for the last 40 years, right? Whatever. 35 years. I'm like I can't, I can't buy this and drive it. <laughs> you got to <laughs> like now it finally like, has life, right? Like it survived all this time. And then I'm going to, 
I'm going to buy a museum piece car and drive it around like a normal car. No, I'm not that guy. That's funny. Yeah, it also, if it made you feel better, it could have also been a grandma that put it in their garage and never drove. And put, sure. a cover, put a cover over. I knew that I lived, when I grew up, I lived at this house where we had, we rented, and we weren't allowed to go in the garage because uh, the landlord had a car in a garage. And I remember looking in there and it always had a, a really nice old, like, 1950s car or something. I was like, that's really mm. cool. But it never, ever came out. He never, ever got it ever for like the two, three years we lived there. So I'm like, wow, that car just sits there. and It just sits there. Yeah, yeah. it just sits there. Uh, speaking of iconic cars that... It's uh, very it's very are, clean and very beautiful, <laughs> and you can't touch anything. Can't touch anything. Uh, but speaking of beautiful, iconic cars, uh, we there were some trailers that had a really good car in it to, that I don't want to hmm. mention until we talk about it. You want to do some trailer trash real quick? Oh, I see where you're going with that. I was also going to say, but I wanted to maybe make, make a joke about people that live in trailers and have really nice cars that are clearly, you know, drug dealers. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let's do trailer trash. In a world. All right, where do you want to start? We can go down this list. You got a list here. Well, let's 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 start. We'll do the list, but I think that there's uh, the car I'm talking about. You want to explain your car bit? Yeah, the car the car thing was uh, so the new trailer that one of the new trailers that came out just today was uh, the new Ghostbusters trailer, which is kind of a shock to me because I didn't realize they were that far into it. Um, This is is it? It's subtitled, not subtitled, but like like it has a it's Ghostbusters Ghostbusters Afterlife title. Okay. And yeah. this is Ghostbusters 4 or 5? Th- uh, well, some people would say it's Ghostbusters 2. But but they know. made an actual Ghostbusters Yeah, too. they actually did. Yeah. Um, and then the, yeah, the all-female one was the third? Yes, correct. It, it, okay. would, be, it would be 4. I think this is going to be seen as 3 because the, the sure. third one was not in-universe, per se. Right. It was right. a whole different like alt-universe thing. Unlike unlike oceans eight which was in universe which was in universe correct and and this one is um that that's the reference to the all girl sequel right right right, right. uh no th- all, yeah so this one this female. one looks clearly you know uh, modern day type thing which is fantastic but it had ecto-1 in it and it's got a big big scene when he starts up ecto-1 and it's coming right out. that's, that's the and he's cool punch and he's drifting through a wheat field or something in some some pretty, you know, trailer level CG, but uh, <laughs> it did look pretty. Like this is definitely yeah. easy, early. It was, early it was not not amazing. Uh, it it threw me off for a for a second because I thought that this movie was set in our world where Ghostbusters exist as a movie, and then as oh. the trailer went on, I was like, oh no, of course it's in universe. Later, the Ghostbusters guys in the original movie were famous. Yeah, um, and so this is, of course, that same universe, uh, right. just later. Yeah, I was it, really hoping for a, um, for a for a Bill Murray cameo. Oh, I think I think everyone watching this is looking for any cameo, like a Dan Aykroyd right, right. or anything. I I actually really enjoy that they made um, uh, the main kids or whatever the characters are going to be Spanglers, so they're Egon's red descendants. Okay, and and that's Ivan Reitman who passed away. Right and and he's he was also like the writer or director the or something. Writer, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, he was I a big he that. was the Ghostbusters guy of all of them, and then so to make it kind of have a homage to him in particular is really neat. Uh, I really dig that. Yeah, and it's uh, it's got Paul Rudd who has a lot of 
you know, his his popularity is high right now. Mm-hmm. He's um, pretty good. Especially, especially for us, we just watched that uh, Living With Yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, is... I think I think Sid likes him a whole lot, too. I, I know she watched Living With him, with Yourself just because of him. Mm. And then uh, when she watched, started watching this one and he came on the screen, she thought, because I didn't let her see what the trailer was was about, the, her first thought was, oh, this is a new Ant-Man trailer. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, that's that's why I said when you know when we talked so long about the ridiculous question of who's going to lead the MCU going forward, I said Paul Rudd feels like an obvious Robert Downey Jr. replacement, right. not replacement, but like equivalent kind of you know he's funny in a different way, but can also be serious right. uh, when it when it calls for it. But yeah, it's got Paul Rudd and it's got the. Uh, the annoying, disrespectful kid from Stranger Things. Yeah, that's the downside with that right there. Is the I'm like, if you were going to get a Stranger Things, why didn't you get Dustin? Like, well. He's, he's the cool one, but. Yeah. I mean, after I watched it, I, I and I started watching, I was like, with Sid, I started thinking, oh, it's probably because the kid looks like Egon. Oh, sure. Right. I mean, like that that kid just looks like Egon Spangler. Um, so m- maybe. But I don't know. I, I, I don't. That's the one kid I don't. I like the least. I think it, I like it. De- it depends. Like you and I both, I'm sure, are are heaping a fair amount of scorn on him for his character in season three of Stranger Things. He could be written completely differently, but it's hard. Know. It's See, hard at is, that I, age. I've seen like all a ton because Sydney watches him. I've seen a ton of the the interviews they all do interviews, and the talks yeah. and stuff like. And he just feels like a like a teenager that I wouldn't like. I mean, he's a teenager, yeah. but it's. I mean, it's the. I'm sure it's the rare kid who gets the kind of fame and popularity that those kids have gotten and can still be a likable person. I mean, that happens to adults, right? There's a, I think we watched this, maybe not, but there's a, there's an episode of the Graham Norton show with um, uh, uh, Tom Holland, Gwyneth Paltrow, and who else? Um, Guy Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. And they talk about, Gwyneth Paltrow tells a story about she got to a certain point in her career and had one of her family members, her dad or somebody, sit her down and say, you know, this is great, this and this, but you're you're kind of becoming an a-hole. <laughs> and, and, you know, she had to, and you could tell from later in the conversations, the thing the things Tom Holland said, that he he's he's getting, he's coming up to that point. And not past it the way that she is. That's um, funny. And it's it's just kind of fun. You know, it's the it's fame. Like that's a, you know, you hear enough people singing your praises, and you're going to start to believe it, um, kind of thing. But, um, yeah. As far as this actor, I can't remember his name now. Um, I can't. In this, Mike is the is the other kid. Is the I character? Think, yeah. I can't think of. The, is that Mike? No. Yeah, Mike. No, Mike. Yeah, is it's the, Mike. Yeah. It's the other no, it's kid. That I, who's the one that was lost? Will. Will. Will and Mike are the ones I don't like very much, but Mike is definitely <laughs> the one. That's a, uh, but anyway, besides that, the uh, it, the trailer looks pretty great. I, I really like how they're kind of doing it, making it like that. This you know is today. It's you know forty years later. These guys would be seventy right. something, right? You know, and clearly some have passed away. And then it's neat to think that. Because the Ghostbusters were like even in the eighties, on in the movie were kind of a novel, weird thing, right? Like they came in, like yeah, yeah I came, I saw, we kicked their ass, type thing, you know. They were kind of a joke, but 
good. You know what I mean? And then, uh, so for them to be forgotten as soon as they're gone sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah. Or or just a thing that happened in the eighties. You know what I mean? Nobody's seen a ghost in, in a long time. Uh, Right. 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 So, so I, I don't, I don't know if I want to see another trailer for this one or not, but before the show, but I think I could, I mean, it's not like watching it. It's not like going to see it was ever in question for you. Right. Like you were always going to go see it. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, (laughs) that's a whole topic that we could talk about some days, like how I throw money away, even that I shouldn't, you know, I mean, I, I, I think, you oh, know maybe I mean, I, I was a psychologist of that. <laughs> I was just making a point about the effectiveness of trailers, but no, uh, no. Yeah. No. Or even if, even at that, I mean, I do have this thing like I'll watch, you know what? They put another transformer movie out. I'll go watch it. You know? Right. I, and I shouldn't. I mean, I, I know that no. I, I, I shouldn't, <laughs> but I, I always have hope that they're going to get, I mean, then again, they put out like Bumblebee and I really liked Bumblebee. And if I had hmm. skipped watching Bumblebee, I would have missed what I thought was a good transformers movie. Sure, sure. So that's always the thing is that I'm always hoping that they'll be like, oh, I'll definitely go watch another Star Wars because <laughs> they'll clearly get it this time. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, um, we're not going to get to our movie if we take this long on every trailer. So we should keep moving. <laughs> that's true. It, it was um, good. Thumbs up, Ghostbusters. Yay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. So then we've got uh, Mulan, Disney's latest live action adaptation. I don't I don't know if adaptation is even the right word. Let's right. just go with let's just go with remake. Remake. Um, yeah. yeah, live action. You, well, you you talked about this last week because you'd seen it and I hadn't. Yeah. Um, I see a handful of uh, Asian actors and actresses that I recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a lot of their other work. Uh, yeah, it definitely has a more serious tone than For I remember sure. the cartoon being. Um, without any equivalent eddie murphy uh mushu character right you said you said that last week name. when i was kind of talking about it you were like uh, at least it hopefully it has one of those or, or uh, good enough for that and i'm like it kind of doesn't have any of that yeah which, and which is not a bad for, thing you know for the kind of story they're telling about like you know class and and gender role um you know kind of kind of thing in an ancient culture um i don't know that it needs to be that it needs to be funny I mean, it's weird to take a movie that had a lot of humor and to and to make it full serious. Like, I think they'll get bad reviews if they do that. But it it is a pretty serious story. And it's the kind of thing we talk about uh, with the quote-unquote live-action uh, remakes that involve animals, where it's hard to... Um, how do I want to say this? You can make things that are silly in live action. Uh, You know, I'm talking about like the Evil Dead franchise, (laughs) but it's a different thing. Like it's a more it 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 ends up being campy, like the kind of things that are just, uh, you know, charming and silly in an animated production uh, become campy in live action because they're just so ridiculous. You know, it's like um, uh, like Home Alone. With the, yeah, you know, with the with the cartoonish violence, but um, you know the the story that they're telling here, you know, if you've got actual people, you know, real people riding horses and killing each other with swords and and arrows and and stuff like that, it almost um, unavoidably becomes more serious. 
Yeah, and and they've had if you look back at some of the the Disney remakes, they've actually taken a pretty serious stand on some of these things. Like Cinderella was had some fantasyful fantasyful things because there was some mice that were kind of a little bit more over animated. Um, but the it, the show itself was like serious kind of type thing. Mm-hmm. Like her, her, they spend time on her dad and her mom dying, and you know the uh, Maleficent, the same kind of thing. It's it's kind mm-hmm. of a serious type thing uh and it just i think it's a that's a byproduct of it being like real you know what i mean like having yeah. that kind of real person this trailer was it, it, you can already tell that they're they're putting a lot of stock on making you emotionally attached to these you know characters namely right. her dad which you don't really have in the in the cartoon but now you're like oh she's got to because he's gonna die and you know, she's got honor. And I, I got to say that the first thing that I thought of was that the story is often known from Disney-fied that it's, uh, you know, standing up and women can do anything men can do, which is definitely a major part of the story. But sure. it, that discounts the culture, really, actually, because yeah. because females having a certain role in, in Asian society is is not a downside, right? Like they honor their families in different ways. Right. Right. So kind of just saying, well, you know, women can, should be the same thing as men in an Asian culture is really discounting their whole cultural stuff. Right. And this one looks to be like really, you know, explaining that like, Hey, I love you. You're doing a great job as a daughter. I'm doing a great job as a father. We're doing everything. We are our roles. And just because she's can't fulfill this other role is a sad thing. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump to a different trailer that I doubt you have seen, but mm-hmm. on on Geek Scholars in their What to Watch this weekend, they talked about a movie called The Farewell. Okay. Um, it's the story of a Chinese family whose um, matriarch grandmother character has terminal cancer, and in Chinese culture, they don't tell the elderly. If they're terminally ill, they don't tell them because then they'll, you know, they'll die sooner. Okay. Right? They'll, they'll stop. They'll stop trying. You know, it's part of their their tradition and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole movie is about um, Aquafina is playing a sort of audience surrogate character who was raised in the States, I believe. And so she's she's coming at the situation with a different perspective and like you know why are we lying to her we should tell her and the you know the older the other members of family are like you know no this is this is the way this is you know this is the way this is (laughs) this is what we do and there's there's a scene there's a little bit of dialogue in the trailer um where one of the characters says um you believe that your life belongs only to you and that's because you were raised in the west Mm -hmm. in the east we know that our lives are part of something greater, the family. Yeah. And it made me think of the other things that we've watched in the last couple of months, like Seven Samurai mm-hmm. and um, some of those where, you know, for us, obviously we're Western in our worldview and our understanding, um, you know, that, that idea of your self capital S being part of, a whole something greater. We have some notions of that in our culture, but no, not to the extent that right. um, that they do in Eastern cultures. 
Um, so this, so this trailer seems to be really helping. Gives you, gives you a little that. more of that. The only thing, to bring it back to Mulan, the only thing that made me a little nervous, and nervous is maybe not the right word for that, but toward the end of the trailer, it seems like maybe the movie might be trying to reach a point where um, the character can be openly uh, female soldier. Be an openly female soldier. There we go. Right. Grammar. Um, now which, she does. She does in the cartoon. After they discover, she comes out and fights as a female. That's true. She does. It's been a long yeah. time since I saw the original. Right. Now um, I, I, it's not a point that she can fight as a soldier that way. She's just the only survivor at the end. She, like the big battle, she's right. the only one that like survives. And yeah, because otherwise, like if that gets too big. Then you're into, you know, historical revisionism. Yes, uh, right, right. Which is which is not. I, I think Disney has enough of that in their history. <laughs> right. So, so it, the trailer looked really good. I, I really the, the my favorite part of the whole trailer though was, um, they took, they just went for the throat on the on the score. They were like, okay. Make yeah. something the most epic of epic that you can epically <laughs> epic, and, and and then do it with the theme of from the original movie, you know, um, the Who Am I type thing. And I'm like, mm. wow, that is I I can't believe you take a, a like a Disney song and then make it so grand, you know, like it's so good. And Sid we'll, and I had to go listen to the to that because they had we'll, the extended we'll get, score. We'll 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 talk about soundtracks again later, but I'll I'll be honest to affirm. A statement our buddy Pete made in group chat a couple months ago. I cannot remember a single song from that movie except the training montage song. <laughs> That's actually uh, um, Sydney said that. I was like, "Do you remember the song from Mulan? They did a really good score. See if you can hear it." She she said, "You mean I'm going to make a man out of you?" I'm like, "No, yes. not that one." <laughs> but I get That's, it. <laughs> that's the one. That's the only like mysterious as the dark side of the moon. <laughs> exactly. She's climb, she's got that ribbon in the in the coin and she's climbing up that pole to get to the top and Right. That's that I, whole I'll thing. admit I was not I've not uh, Mulan is one of my least favorite uh, mm. modern era Disney movies and not because it's terrible it's just was very uh, forgettable to me. So this trailer yeah. has already got me way more interested in that than I ever was the actual movie. So I think good job that's trailer in... people. Let me just check this. 1998. That's right when, like, right before and and right around the same time that Toy Story came out, which is 94, mm. 95, um, Disney Animation changed their style, right? Yeah. And so you got, like, this uh, Mulan, Emperor's New Groove, Hercules, um, a handful of those, and their, their animation style really changed. And they had this series of movies that... Some people liked, but it was a big drop from, you know, the early 90s stuff of like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion right. King. You know, they had this big wave of success. And then right when Pixar started to pick up, um, Disney Animation dropped dropped down in their in their success and popularity. Right. It's, it's really um, interesting how those two are separate Disney houses. And right. they, they, they don't compete. They're totally on the same, you know, for the same company, but they, they don't necessarily collaborate per se with each other. They, they develop their own kind of things. I just watched a, uh, it was a YouTube thing the other day uh, about frozen two and Disney animation. I think it might've been by Disney. It felt very like it was by Disney. And, and they were talking about how between the six years that they 
you know, what they've learned in technology between the two. And they kept doing side by side shots of like the first frozen mm-hmm. and the second frozen. And it is insane. The animation that they have today, what Disney studios has that they have just like the threads in the, the girl's, clothes are seen like you see individual colored threads now mm. and and the stitching is real like looking stitching really zoomed in which you would never notice but you do notice kind of subconsciously so didn't but disney animation developed that while pixar was developing their own kind of technology for toy story 5 or you know we talked about how they've improved kind of type thing so right. it's weird they're, they're two animation houses for disney but they're separate <laughs> right you know? um Okay, so okay. speaking of actually, I don't know who's making Ghostbusters, but our whole list are Disney movies, funnily enough. Um, okay, so now we've got a movie called Free Guy. This is a I don't surprise. Under- I don't understand why this is called Free Guy. Do you know? I, I think his name is Guy, and he's sure. finally free. Oh, and, and maybe okay. it's a play. And maybe it's a play that you get a free guy. That's as I was saying it. Initially, I thought maybe I always I think it's I always weird. called it an extra guy. I did too. Free, I think they probably free life, right? It feels like they should have they could have bit did better job with this name. D- did another round of of brainstorming on the title, but for sure, for sure, this is a weird sort of I guess the video game story. It's it's, yeah. it's Ryan Reynolds, an, another on the list of you know the short list of like male actors right now who have who have everybody's thumbs up yeah, right? and, and like, who have, who at one time were only like meh in the world. Right? They were meh or, or, you know, somewhat mocked or joked. I mean, I'm thinking of Keanu Reeves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds and, uh, and Paul Rudd in that and, same age. And, bracket. uh, um, Iron Man. Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey yeah. Jr. Yeah. They all had this renaissance of their careers happening right now. And yeah. Know. Yeah. It's, it's pretty it's pretty amazing so uh yeah so he's in this one and i don't know how i think i just stumbled across the trailer um when another one of our trailers came out and i clicked right, on it same uh, and it was uh so the the trailer about this one is ryan reynolds is a an npc in a game but you don't know it's a game he doesn't know it's a game it it, it looks like a normal world but as he walks to work there is like shootouts happening and car chases and people going across zip lines with bazookas and he's yeah. acting like it's a normal thing and everyone else around him also acts like it's kind of a normal thing. I thought uh, it, I thought at first that it was like a like a comic book like a you know it would it would right. be interesting to see a story about normal people set in the MCU and I'm yeah. not talking about agents of shield I mean people who are just normal going about their jobs and then like aliens trash the city or something like I, 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 I want to say I, I, they definitely have one of those shows and I'm going to have to look they back probably up, but, do. Uh, but yeah, that's what I thought. Sure. I, I could see that too. I wasn't sure what exactly what it was. I, I, I started getting Wreck it Ralph feelings or, or the Lego type things, movie th- things when he like, yeah. he had the same shirts yeah. and the same stuff. I'm like, okay, he's, he's something happening here. Uh, so in the, in the trailer, I guess he decides that he wants to break free from break free from being like an NPC, which he can, he doesn't know he's an NPC. Um, break, and and break he, free from the chains. Right. And he like attacks a bank robber. That's a player and right. takes his glasses where he realizes that he puts them his, on and he can see the world his, with his, all the power. His, his aug- augmented reality glasses. Yeah. And he's like, Holy cow. And now he, Sees it now. I don't know the rest of how where the story's going with that, but 
um, it looked fun, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it looks. This looks like one of those movies that is like, it's just an okay movie, just like kind of it's an okay movie, and then they put Ryan Reynolds in it, and now it's a great movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's saying a lot because that guy, you know, I think that Ryan Reynolds was always. Um, his sweet spot, and I think he thought it was too, was romantic comedies and being a romance guy and good looking dude. Yeah. yeah. And, and then he just changed Some, this somewhere niche in to between, comedy. Somewhere in between Ryan Gosling and um, Ben Affleck. Yeah, maybe? he's exactly. He fits right in that exact spot. And I think that's all he was. And then at some point, he did comedy and it was that's his thing, right? Yeah. It's kind of like um, Chris Hemsworth in the Thor character. Like, exactly. You know, they made him do two movies, and then he he did a little bit of funny stuff in the Avengers movies, and then, um, you know, they made Ragnarok, and they're like, oh, this is this guy's sweet spot, clearly. Clearly. Like, they've been right. trying to make him this thing over here like the comics, and it's just not his style. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly... It's, it's really cool to see, you know that kind of evolution of actors. And, and when you see that happen, the thing that makes them so likable, I think is because you can feel that the actors love it. They're happy. Right. Right. Chris Hemsworth has done multiple interviews where he said like, after Thor Ragnarok, I just, life became better. It's like, <laughs> I, he, I went to work happy. I would skip and whistle and, you know, like it's one a, of those things. It's a little bit of a, you know, much less extreme version of what we talked about, about, um, bosses and workplace environments like some people you know crave that challenge and that you know the being stretched and being pushed to something something outside of their comfort zone and and some people just don't like or maybe they'll roll with it but then you know somewhere somewhere at the subconscious level they've just got a a level of uh of discontentment or or unease with that situation and then you know that changes and then suddenly, you know, life, yeah. life is good again or life whatever. Is good again, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what I'm yeah. making much too big statements about, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's so, how it kind of so feels. Small, and, you, but... and when you see the interviews, a lot of these people doing these things, like even Robert Downey Jr., you know, w- when he would do interviews for Iron Man, it, it just like soaked up life type stuff. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So th- this free guy is the same kind of thing. You get, you get a guy, you get a, uh, just an okay premise and then you have uh, an actor doing what he does best in there, and it's great. Speaking uh, of yeah. uh, Ryan Reynolds, I just watched, well, over a couple of evenings because I started it late and then had to go back to it. But um, uh, Once Upon a Deadpool. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The, I, I, the I'd never seen that one. I saw the... PG-13. Yeah, yeah. The only time I saw Deadpool 2 was last year's uh, Fox DenCon, and it was... Mm-hmm. It had to have been like two in the morning. <laughs> and so I remember the high points. You know, I remember the post credits ending and some of the lead up stuff. Uh, but I remembered almost nothing about Russell or um, or any of that stuff in the main story. Um, but this one's really good. Next time you. Russell's the, Russell's the worst part about that show. It, yeah, he kind of is. <laughs> but. Um, Next time you want to watch uh, Deadpool 2, you should check it out. I don't know, like, it is cleaned up, but I still wouldn't show it to my parents. So I don't know where it hits in that sweet spot. But it does have kind of funny stuff where they'll go for a little while, and then because they're they're riffing off Princess Bride, and even, even admitting it, like, Fred Savage is there tied up in the bed, and he's looking around, and he's like... So good. He's like, did you 
did you recreate the entire bedroom set from Princess Bride? Why would you do that? Um, or, you know, he'll interrupt him at various times during the movie or, or Deadpool will stop and wait like uh, Wade and, and Vanessa are making out and he's expecting Fred Savage to stop him. And he's like, he's like, come on, aren't you going to say the thing? And he's like, what? The, is this a kick, kissing book thing? It's like, no, because I'm a grown man and I don't find that stuff gross anymore. <laughs> I think it's a loving, tender moment between two. And he's like, ah. <laughs> the, the, but yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty good. The, the, it's, I can't believe I'm kind of admitting this on the air a little bit here, mm. is that uh, somehow Sydney watched Deadpool 1. Like I don't, I, and I I would not of, have shown that to her. I think, but one of clearly, our listeners is going to call CPS. I clearly, and uh, <laughs> and, and I'm like, so Deadpool two was on, and I, or I I bought it, and I was talking about a scene that was a clean scene, but it was just a joke or something, and I was like, and he said this in this movie. She was like, oh, I've got to watch that one. I was like, what you. you you know you have you wouldn't know what's going on deadpool one happened she's like i saw deadpool one i'm like wait what (laughs) so i i think she saw it on netflix or i don't know how she watched i mean i own it so she could have watched it that way but true i i I was like oh i don't feel good about this so the point of this is that uh a pg-13 version okay i would that one i would be okay with with you know yeah you know there's they probably cut out a lot of the language and a fair amount of the violence. Um, well, it's not I'm not the violence. It's the it's the sexual innuendos all the way through, right? Right, right. Like, yeah. So there, there's probably a lot of that cut out, and I just didn't notice because I was so tired the first time I saw it. But right, uh, right. Uh, yeah, so that's anyway. that's something worth watching. Uh, okay, another one uh, trailer we watched: uh, Wonder Woman. That's th- speaking of uh, yep. Wonder of Woman 1984. This is now, this I, is not a Marvel we, movie, so note. Oh, those. that's right. That's right. I said. I said they're all Disney. This one's not Disney. This is. This yeah. Is this is. Warner that's what's going to be a problem. Not quite a problem, but I think people's reaction is they just have a feeling that this is a Marvel movie. Right. Right. Because that's what all good superhero movies <laughs> they, are. They do. They do those jokes in One Punch Man too. Like he's doing something, and Fred Savage is complaining about the the writing or the plot. He's like, "Oh, this is why I prefer Marvel movies." <laughs> Wait, it's like we're Marvel. It's like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're Sony Marvel, you're not not Marvel Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the, and, the, anyway, this yeah. is uh, this is what um, Warner Wonder Brothers, Wonder Warner Brothers, Wonder. and and it, what the funny part about this one is that uh, it's up in the air whether DC extended universe type thing is still a thing, right? L- like Aquaman was successful. Yeah, Batman versus Superman, not Justice nope. League, not so much. Nope. So, so ju- after Justice League didn't do the numbers they had wanted it to do, um, which, by the way, their bar for expectations was like Avengers Endgame. I mean, come on, really? Mm, um, no. So, so they <laughs> maybe that's why I liked. I mean, liked quote unquote Justice League, and so many people didn't like after Batman versus Superman. I was like, okay, this is gonna, not going to be anywhere near as as good as the original wonder woman and probably not, you know, it, it'll probably reach the level of like a bad to mediocre Marvel film. And right. that's, that's about where it was. Like it had it a was, few right. good funny moments and, and it was fine. Yeah. I actually enjoyed it, but I, but I totally did. I think we both had, had the they, talk about They it should have let it. Joss Whedon make the whole thing, but exactly. Uh, exactly. You know. Um, so 
it's not without really getting off that too much is that 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 was not necessarily embraced by fans because DC fans are just about as terrible as Star Wars fans with liking things. Sure. It, and they and they you know didn't want any more of that. So uh, the studio is kind of taken aback. Batman has uh, been recast. There's no longer a Batfleck. Um, Henry Cavill likes Superman and wants to do Superman, but they're like, oh, I don't know if we want that is it guy Cavill? anymore. Not- Cavill. Cavill? Cavill? I don't know. Yeah, and they got um, they got Twilight the Vampire to play Luke yeah, Bruce Wayne, right? Terrible. Yeah. So, so Wonder Woman was and Wonder Woman reason. was successful, like right? It was right. a good movie. Right. So they've got basically they have Aquaman and Wonder Woman, and <laughs> yeah. that's and that's it. Uh, and Aquaman was a huge surprise. I think when they made Aquaman at the same time they were making Justice League, so they they expected to be you know gangbusters, but then Justice League did so bad they're like, oh well, we also have Aquaman, so we'll just let this one go. But it was big. Um, so Wonder Woman coming out. Here we go. Now we is is this a DCEU thing? Are they going to keep going with this? Are they going to pick up and lighten it up with some comedy? I mean, it's it's know? still it's still Gal Gadot. It's still they they're bringing back Chris Pine, and she was in Justice League and Batman vs Superman. So it's you know, I would I have no reason to think that it's not. So it's this is Wonder Woman 1984 or Wonder Woman 84. Maybe that's the t- the title. Sure. Um, so it's in between i called it a prequel it's not it's a prequel to justice league and batman vs superman it's not a prequel to the original wonder woman movie which took place during world war one right so it's whatever like like almost (laughs) 70 years in the future no it's my my math is off whatever it's over 50 years in the future um and 1984, which is it's got strong Stranger Things vibes. Strong Stranger Things vibes. Well, which is weird, like <laughs> not they're not Stranger Things vibes. It's got strong 80s vibes. Right. right. 1984, one of the first shots that you see is a giant gaudy neon mall, which, yeah. you know, shopping malls were huge in the 80s and are kind of in decline now, thankfully. Yeah. But uh yeah, I don't I don't know how how to feel about that. I don't either. I, I, it's a little mixed there. Uh, the obviously Stranger Things season three wasn't that big for me, so it got that vibes. I'm like, that's not the vibe I like. That's part um, of it. Again, it's funny how you know our reaction to season three Stranger Things is kind of coloring two of these trailers, <laughs> shading those right. But uh, uh, but the the uh, so this one it's got to play a weird line though because. We clearly know if they're staying in universe, which I think they are, is that nobody knew about her right. before. So so she can't like be captured on TV right. or be seen or anybody write stories about her. Right? Like Yeah. Because Batman even Batman doesn't know who she is. Right. So, He's the world's greatest detective. Exactly. So I don't know what they're going to do with that. And, I, and I'm not sure about uh, Chris Pine's one of my favorite modern actors. I think he's, a, I actually think he's an excellent actor, but I don't know the point in bringing him back. <laughs> That's the other part. I said in our group chat, I'm reserving judgment on this, though I'm not entirely. Um, I, I have mixed feelings about it being set in the eighties now after, mm-hmm. after stranger things. And after there was, a, there was at least one more thing. I mean, Ragnarok had strong 80s vibes and Ready Player One, even though it's set in the future, is clearly just a 80s nostalgia orgy. Right. Um, And so I have mixed feelings about that. I also have mixed feelings about bringing back Chris Pine. And I I also love Chris Pine. I 
bringing him back as the the same character in a what seems to be a similar kind of role, except like somebody my dad or sister said when we watched the trailer, it's role reversal, right? Yeah. Now right. he's the fish out of water being a, you know, uh, 19-teens person yeah. in the 80s, not understanding what anything is. I, wa- so, I wonder, do you think that he's actually him back? Like, I, I wasn't sure if they were being clear about I. I don't know how they're going to do that, and and I don't know, I, you know, I haven't seen it, so right. again, reserving judgment. I feel like I don't know what effect that has on her character, but I feel like it weakens her. Um, but right. again, I'm I'm just speculating from this trailer, so right. so I don't know. I'm, right. I mean, I'm definitely going to go see it, and I mean we'll the see. the Wonder Woman the Wonder Woman character in comic books have have always been not. Struggled is not the right word because some struggle, some really get it well. Uh, writers is that, um, you know, she is a strong, like the definition of a strong leading superhero woman uh, that does more than almost all men of the superhero world. Yet it's important to her character that she's female, not like a man with a woman's body. Right. right. That's an, that's a real important thing is that that's she's important. I mean, we female. went, we went through as a, as a culture that's such a grand thing for me to say but um our entertainment went through probably a decade or more of people and by people usually men trying to write strong female characters Mm -hmm. that always to me at least felt like male characters played by women played by like that's that's not interesting like a lot of people loved starbuck in bsg right and it doesn't help that the character of Starbuck in the original is male, though I never really saw the original. Yeah. But the way that the character was written and the things that she did and said, I was like, this is just a man. Like, right. that doesn't make her strong. It just makes her another man. Like, why Why would you even do? just let the character be a man if you're going to do that? Exactly. Right. And, and, that, and that's a really good point. And I, I think that's a perfect example. And Wonder Woman is not that. And and that's no. when you get her wrong is when you try to make her be like, you know, a, a man. And you also get her wrong when you try to make her just like a soft female. And yeah. she is, she is a, an amazing woman. And that's, that's, I think they did a good job of that in the first one. And in the second one, you have to make her that. So you, it, I guess my point is, is that she still has, she's, uh, it's, she's not, uh, gender ambiguous she is a female woman who, <laughs> sure. who likes men and she has to have that right like that's something that's part of her is that she still is a has love and caring and that kind of stuff but she's also what is a real strong woman so th- we'll see if that you know they have to do a good job of not weakening her character by putting steve in there as that um yeah yeah we'll, we'll but i have faith in the director and writers and uh yeah. I'm not like you said. I am kind of reserving judgment here. I, I don't know. If I will. I, I'm back. looking at it the same way I looked at Justice League. It's like it's just another fun superhero comic book show that I didn't get to watch when I was a kid. And yeah, and if and if we get something more than that, I'm not expecting anything anywhere near the trench sequence from the original movie. I'm just right. expecting something on par with the other with with Justice League and and Aquaman. Right now, now the now Hopefully our last trailer crash thing as, is uh, is the op, is the opposite. Is right. now you're now you're at a standards 
because you're back in the Marvel Universe. You're not just back in the Marvel Universe. You're OG Avenger member. Uh, mm-hmm. Dead. Oh, sorry. Spoiler there. <laughs> dead Ave- Avenger member. Black Widow. Jesus, <laughs> go ahead and bring it's, it out. It's too late now, though. That movie was born right. like a year ago. But. Black. Black. Yeah. And it, since it's made billions of dollars, I'm sure everyone's seen it. Uh, Black Widow movie. So this has got to have crazy expectations, right? Like it's it's the one that everyone pointed to of like. Oh my God! Why aren't you making a Black Widow movie? Why aren't you making this? Is not fair. This is all about gender right. inequality. It's like, and things like, it's that, like so. we give we we give Disney and Marvel a lot of praise. You and I on this podcast, and right. probably a lot of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anybody who doesn't, we're like, oh, you just don't want to like it because it's cool. <laughs> you just but don't like things, right? um, I'll say that Marvel has almost never made a good. I don't know, almost never. That's a sweeping generalization. But they struggle with female characters. Let's just put it that way. Um, I mean, That's debatable, but okay. <laughs> for the first for the first half dozen movies, Black Widow was a token. Oh, you mean a, for the, uh, the Marvel characters? Yeah, the Marvel characters in, okay, sure, in sure. franchise. Like, you know, yes. you talk about that, that much-hated money shot lineup in Endgame where it just was like, it, it felt very much like, you know, some producers came down to the Russos and said, Hey, we got to, you know, the one thing that DC is, is kicking our, our butts with is, is, you know, this Wonder Woman that we got to, we got to show them like, we've got all these female characters. Let's, let's do a thing where it's, and, and it just feels so ham fisted contrived that, that and, you know, yeah, that, that everybody on the internet gets angry and yeah. Um, and, and they, and it felt, and I think that Captain Marvel felt a forced type thing. Uh, yeah same right but marvel has some good characters and some good actresses that are in roles now uh like like that are just naturally good okoyo is one of them from black panther suri Mm -hmm. from black panther um and black widow like you know she's Mm -hmm. a good character if you watch her in all the way back to iron man 2 she's a cool awesome totally kick-ass character and she's got a story even in uh, Age of Ultron when they talk a little bit about the Red Room and such. She's got she's got a story. So the fact that they give her a movie is is a no brainer. Uh, ever since Endgame, especially, she has become I don't know what like she's got her place in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, right? Like, yeah, I mean her her writing and acting in and I said this when we talked about Endgame, but this is the most interested and engaged with this character that i was yeah. in the entire franchise like she was always just there and i'm like oh well she's attractive but she's you know <laughs> she and hawkeye were the two non-powered quote-unquote powered yeah. individuals in the avengers and i was like why are they here like yeah. you've got these other guys here who are invincible and these two normal people one has a bow and the other has a couple of pistols like right. what is this Right. Um, and, and, and of course, and Hawkeye makes the comment, right? You know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a guy with a bow and a middle an alien or a, yeah, a yeah, robots are attacking us. I don't know what's real now, but right. uh, yeah. So Black Widow has become because of Endgame, I think, and if not b- before that, even a really compelling character. So now they're having their own movie, um, and it looks great. It's going to be the next Marvel movie, I think, coming out is Black Widow. I think uh, so too, and. That's we're still in a very slow post in game world. Right. They're I, putting I, a lot of energy into um uh Disney Plus exclusive yeah, series. Yep. I I think mostly series, maybe 
maybe a couple of direct to streaming movies. I guess that right. Was what and we're and I think I don't know who but, the scheduler over at Disney is, but there, I th- it feels like they're giving the, the Star Wars franchise time to breathe. Sure. Right. So they're they're doing this back and forth kind of thing, which is really smart. I I just think this kind of planning is is done from a huge, much bigger you know picture type thing someone has done. Sure. Because then we, if you look at this the the release times like 2021, we start hitting Marvel again. And and that's like we're gonna yeah, get a that's over a year from now, right? So they're yeah. they're they're gonna trickle out some things slowly, but they're giving us time to recoup and not let this superhero genre thing like be done. Get get fatigued, yeah. Right. And I'm so. I'm hopeful slash optimistic that they've gotten to a point, Marvel Studios, you know, better than like ten years ago. I think 10 years ago, maybe not quite 10 years ago, um, where they can they can make a good female driven story. Oh, yeah. Right? So, it's and, a, it's and a weird a thing for me to say. And, you know, whatever, my opinion doesn't matter in this issue. But right. th- that's just my feeling. Yeah. Um, and, and this this looks good, right? Like the trailer looks pretty good. They, and, uh, you know, like we've talked about before, they have the technology now to do the reverse aging thing in a way that uh, is is convincing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and David yeah. Harbour is in this one, which I heard that I did not spot him. Maybe you did he's... what you did not spot the what surely you did. Like he's the Red Guardian. Mm-hmm. He he was the he's the guy with the beard that sits down at the table and they're like and and but you got fat. he's like I still got it and like but you got fat. Maybe I watched a different trailer than you did. Oh well, you gotta go watch the real trailer, you must watch it, like a knockoff trailer. But yeah, he he's, well, he he the, looks know, fantastic. Maybe he I looks, saw a teaser or something. Maybe he looks fantastic in this. Um, Another, I yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't call him in the same in the same space with Ryan Reynolds and Paul Rudd, but he's another guy who's like the hero of of Stranger Things. Now that the kids have gotten too old to be charming and adorable, right? Um, although he he got some bad, he probably got some bad blood. Uh, after season three, but season uh, three just sucked. Let's just forget season three. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, he he's in it. Uh, the, the the all the rest of the characters look really great. They're all the uh, well, some more women from the Red Room, other Black Widows, uh, looking looking pretty good. Um, the girl from the Mummy series, that's what I know her of. She's she's Rachel Vice. Rachel Vice is is in this one. Look, looks pretty okay. good. I think she may be a bad guy. They don't know. Uh, the villain is Taskmaster. We got to see the first sh- uh, shot of Taskmaster doing his thing. In okay. the Marvel comics, he has photoreflexive. His, like, quote-unquote powers are photoreflexive memory. So hmm. he, instead of some people who have uh, photographic memory, can see something once and always remember it. He sees somebody do something with their physical body, and he can reproduce it. Exactly. Hmm. So he, he can watch a piano player oh, play I a see. piece. And and know how to play it. He'll sit down and play it just as good as that professional piano player. But he couldn't create his own piano piece. He just knows how to do that thing. Okay. So like, uh, yeah, there's a word for that. Yeah. They call it in comic books, photo reflexive. Um, so uh, he, memory. So he, his thing is that uh, the taskmaster never fights you once. He fights you once and then runs away. And then okay. now he's now he knows exactly how you do you fight and how you do things, mm, and sure. he can do that exact thing. He carries around a Captain America shield like shield, and because okay. he he was a Captain America villain, and he knows how to use Captain America shield just like Captain America does. Um, so yeah. Anyway, okay. that looks looks good. 
It's the next Marvel movie that's going to be out. Right on. Ooh, that's a lot of trailers we had. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about our movie before we yeah we, we run get that in there. Here. Uh, so we're doing the 2020 challenge, yes. All right. This week we watched the 2006 James Bond. Uh, I guess let's call it reboot. Yeah, for sure reboot. Yeah, for sure uh, reboot. Casino Royale. This uh, this is not Amelie. No, no. Uh, this <laughs> For some is some people the who first... cut out earlier on our episode last week. <laughs> right, right. Thinks we're doing this, is, this is the first Daniel Craig Bond. Um, I think possibly the only. I'm sure there are more than this, but the main noticeable connection between this movie and previous in the franchise, at least in the Pierce Brosnan era, is Judy Dench playing M, Bond's boss. Excellent M. This is a. It's a reboot of the character, but. In the modern era. So um, the movie opens with um, James Bond not yet having double O status, which is a thing, you know, uh, fans familiar with the franchise will know. Um, But it's still present day. Actually, he just got it. Like it starts with him, his first two kills. Right, right. Right. Um, So I'm going to hit the bell here because we're going to spoil the 2006 Casino Royale. So you you know probably more about the history of Bond than I do. Yeah, I, I, this... I liked some Timothy Dalton stuff. No, sure. I didn't. I didn't like Timothy Dalton. Oh. I liked the Pierce Brosnan stuff. Okay, um, right, yeah. I, and I and I, I like I pretty pretty much all the Pierce Brosnan stuff. I generally liked um, for what it was. So um, and I like my Bond was uh, Sean Connery. That's the guy that Sean I liked Connery. Sure, when I was young. Um, I have a handful of anecdotes about the Bond franchise in general. Um, it was kind of uh whatever uh for me my youngest sister who i've mentioned frequently mm-hmm. on a, a recurring character on this podcast um okay. she's 20 and she had not seen any of james bond films so since and we so, haven't said her name she's just going to be not sarah right right <laughs> um during the opening sequence song uh i gave her the the bullet points of you know the bond <laughs> the bond verse uh, I gotta say, you know, I almost always skip the the that opening sequence that everybody loves. Sure, I do have a story about that, but <laughs> I got to you know run down like this is what MI six is, this is what double O means, oh, the whole this thing is what a that. license to kill is, this is what, and it's it's strange because the movie starts in black and white, right? It's in black and white, and then the flashbacks are just a really desaturated uh, fight scene in a bathroom. Yeah, that was a, um, that was great directorial decisions there. That was really neat. So the, the this is Martin Campbell. Let's see. He doesn't have a long list. He did Legend of Zorro with um, okay. uh, Antonio Banderas. Right. I remember that. Um, Th- this is better than that. <laughs> a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of TV stuff and uh, Green Lantern, which we were That's talking funny. about off the air. That's funny. He, 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 yeah. He, so he starts out with this like. Black and white thing, and what a neat... I mean, the guy gets to remake Casino Royale, which, again, tell me about Bond history. Did they ever... Have they ever remade one of the shows? Like, they don't didn't do uh, Goldfinger again. So there was an unofficial... The 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 last Sean Connery, um, Never Say Never Again. Okay. Um, I think was a combination of two of the stories. They would do this, like, even though they took titles straight from the books... Um, 
they eventually ran out of books like before Pierce Brosnan. Um, but they would take elements of a couple books to make one movie, um, like bits and pieces. And, you know, they always follow the same formula where, um, you know, the movie starts often with some kind of action or just some kind of off, off story thing, like a mission um, or something he's doing some other mission. Um, he'll go to a, a briefing with M maybe with some money, penny banter beforehand, which we didn't really get in this one. Um, she'll give him a mission, whatever it is that he's doing. He's an expert on all of the details already. Yeah. Um, he knows, he recognizes every name. He knows every place. Um, at some point he'll meet a first girl who will inevitably get killed as a, (laughs) as a consequence of crossing his path. Yeah. And then later he'll meet the main quote unquote bond girl or not even quote unquote, like capital B capital G bond girl of the movie. Um, he'll have some interaction with the villain early as a stranger, but there's a good chance the villain already knows who he is. They'll do a little bit of verbal banter and then, (laughs) you know, so on, so on and so forth from there. And there are some of those elements in this, like this is a, it's clearly trying to distance itself from the previous era in the same way that GoldenEye was trying to put space between itself and the sixties through eighties bonds, like less misogynistic, you know, bond is a, I mean, M is a woman now. Um, Talk about Those, talk about a strong woman character that we were talking about earlier. Oh, she, I mean the Judy the relationship amazing. Like they elaborate on this more in subsequent, like in um, I think Skyfall. Skyfall uh, for sure. But yeah, I mean the the interactions um, between Judy Dench and and the two Bonds that she's she's worked with um, are great. Yeah, and uh, and this this is the this is the time when. I really started to like Bond. Like I, I, you know, I liked Bond a little bit as a uh, kind of like how I like Mission Impossible now. Like it's just it's a thing that comes around every once in a while. That's what it is, and then yeah. move on. It's uh, but, it's almost it's not quite a guilty pleasure, but kind of a little bit. Right. But this one was the start of my really liking Bond movies because, yeah. and that's why Daniel Craig is without question my favorite Bond now of all time. Uh, and it it has a lot to do with the fact that the they are making it's all one story like it's not one story but sorry mm. it, they they build on each other right? right like m m in his relationship they have something and they tell you a little bit more in the next movie and then they really expand upon it later uh uh vesper lind is a character that has a throughput in the next three movies or two mm-hmm. movies so like they all build as it goes along and eventually it goes to specter which is like the you know back in, I guess, in the old Bond things, the, the big evil organization, which happens right. to be kind of like his adopted brother, um, mm. which is like supposedly masterminding everything that's happened since the beginning. Uh, so you watching these Daniel Craig movies, you get to start in black and white in the first two kills he ever makes as a James Bond 007 agent. It's like you get to start from the beginning and you get mm. to find out who this James Bond is because not a lot of people know him in this universe either. Like, they're like, you know, are you going to make it as a Bond? Most people, Bonds die at a certain age, you know, don't last very long. Um, And they're always, they're doubting, maybe I promoted you too early type stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's really cool. And in the, I've I've been, I've said this multiple times when I talk about this movie, is that 
you in the first uh, two scenes, I guess, action scenes, you get a real sense of what kind of bond Daniel Craig is. He uh, he goes up against um, in this the the chase scene in particular a guy that is like a professional parkour dude. Yeah, and yeah. and he does not do any of that. No. Like it, the guy will jump through a, a a burned out car window to the other side, and Bond just goes around. It's it's always been a little bit of that same feeling of um, Indiana Jones shooting the guy with the sword. Yes, exactly. Right, right. like where you've got a guy who's you know you've got the villain or whatever who is you know he's an expert in some kind of thing, but Bond is this like he's a he's a guy he's an action movie star who wears a suit or a tuxedo exactly that's this like, bond for sure he's he's english he's but pierce very... brosnan was not that pierce brosnan was the gadget the the slick yeah over the years you know from i mean even sean connery on you go back to like goldfinger and stuff they always had a sequence with q and q would give him you know some gadget and the gadget would always come in useful in some way and there's a little bit no you know what i'm thinking um i should have had you watch this trailer and that would connect with the, the trailer for the new one um no oh no, i have seen the new no, trailer the, no time to die no day to die yeah i, there's I did a, see that there's that scene where the the car has machine guns in the, behind the headlights yeah. mm-hmm. they did like they got more and more of that um as the movies went on and i remember reading that when i was a teenager or like 20 around when i really got interested in this franchise um people talking about how in um in the books i can't think of the author now um it's ian something uh anyway oh yeah I know um, you're talking ian, about ian fleming right. um bond would much more often escape from some kind of peril using his wits right um and in the movies, it got more and more gadget focused. Okay. And um, in this movie, there are none of those gadgets. Like every situation he's in that he he figures out a way out of, it's all his own skill and resourcefulness. Yeah. The, this Bond feels like I, when he – it just flows so well. And it, it, I think it has a lot to do with the directing and the acting is there's a scene – when he is in the Caribbean or somewhere and, and he, uh, uh, some jerk rich guy tosses him his keys to his car thinking he's a valet. <laughs> so he uses that really quickly to his advantage that goes, wrecks the guy's car. And then all the security goes through and he just walks casually into just the Just a diversion. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that just felt like this is his natural way of, this is why he's a spy. Just because he's just na- he doesn't have to overthink. He just does this naturally. Like he works. James Bond. He works every situation to his advantage. And as this is a thing that I noticed, as much as they were trying to you know be a fresh start with this movie, mm-hmm. they still did not leave behind the, some of the Bond uh, uh, tropes or characteristics. Sure. Like there is still the sacrificial lamb character who he right. meets and talks to, and you get. If you've if you've not seen any of the previous movies, you get some of the understanding the lines he has with her about, you know, he only he only hooks up with married women because it's less complicated, which is a yeah. funny statement. But if you if you understand who Bond is, you're like, yeah, he's part of what makes him good at his job is that he doesn't form human attachments. Right. Which which he has that another great line that that Vesper says, like, 
making a pass at him. And he's like, no, you're not my type. And she's like, what's that? He was like single, single. Right. <laughs> like, Oh man. Yeah. It, so cause he, it, cause it's not, he only makes, uh, t- you know, temporary tenuous connections. Because yeah. Of his, and his M has a, his a really good thing that describes bond early on this bond, this Daniel Craig bond. She calls him a blunt instrument. And, and I think that is very much how this bond is in this movie, at least. Sure. You know, he, he goes through when he, when he uh, is chasing the, the the guy in the parkour scene, he just like drives himself into the embassy with nonstop, <laughs> right? Yeah. He just he just doesn't even pause for a moment to think of. I mean, he he knows what he's doing, but he just it's like it, like she said, it feels like a baseball bat just being bashed right towards mm-hmm. the goal, right? Mm-hmm. And he won't stop. Um, and that's this that's kind of what the cool thing about this bond is. Now this movie does a lot about playing on that when he's in the, in the actual card game, he gets bluffed on purpose type thing. You know, he, right. he, he thinks he, he knows his bluff and he thinks he knows the tell and he doesn't. And that's, it plays into the larger plot of what's happening in this movie. And he's playing poker, Texas Hold'em, mm-hmm. even though they don't call it Texas Hold'em. It's five, yeah. five cards revealed and, and two cards in your hand, which mm-hmm. in 2006, Anyone watching this movie, especially in the U.S., would immediately recognize. Where right, yes. traditionally Bond always played Baccarat. A oh, game did he? I didn't which, know that. Okay. Um, I don't really know anything about. I am have read or been told somewhere that a, a game that's almost entirely luck. Okay. Right. So it it just plays into the. They do these kind of things in this movie too. Again, tying it back to the previous films, where he he breaks into M's apartment, and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. When right. he's in, when he's in the Bahamas, logging into the MI6 network, he's using M's credentials which, or login which is and password. Great, right? <laughs> like, how does he know these things? Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's Bond. He that's he's just Bond. What he, he just does. He does. She's always so frustrated at him because he does, right? You know? Right, right. Uh, yeah. So he th- this has a uh, um, good Bond. I say Bond girl here because she has again. She's smart and she's mm-hmm. not just a a thing on his shoulder type stuff. Uh, and the, he, he plays it really well. The villain is probably the weakest part about this. He's interesting villain. And that beat him up scene at the end was ter- terrible. Uh, the, torture the torture scene. scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. I was, um, I was thinking that was in quantum of solace, but it's not, it's in, this no, one. it's not. Uh, but the, uh, he's still pr- probably the weakest thing because I'd not really wasn't scared about him for most of the show. Uh, Especially when he's in the casino and the uh, Nigerian guys come in and try to beat him up, or you know, yeah, they try to he's kill a, him. He's you know? not a he's not a mastermind kind of villain, right? And yeah, or at least that's what he was supposed to be, but he's not because of James or whatever. You know, it just mm-hmm. it didn't feel like he was a huge threat throughout the whole time, like a real big bad guy. Right. Um, so I did see that trailer, and that's that goes along with this because when I saw that trailer, I was like. Oh wait, this is supposed to be some things that happened in Spectre. All these characters, remember I mentioned they all kind of tie together. Characters in the trailer are from Spectre, and I was like, I need to brush up on Spectre. So yeah, I also I, I watched haven't seen Spectre. Spectre, by the way. I say I also watched that this week. Like I watched Casino Royale, and then I watched. So I've watched at the beginning and the end. Type yeah, I, I definitely need to see that before. Uh, no, oh for comes sure. Out, yeah, but... that's like a huge a huge thing. Okay, um, well I can't I can't yeah. talk about this movie without bringing up this very strange anecdote. Okay. Um, I, in my, in my recollection, I saw this movie in the theater and I 
would have told you before I watched it again on video, I would have told you that the song played during the opening credits, which is a another thing Bond movies do. They have an elaborate yeah, uh, they always do. Animated sequence, you know, it's very minimalist in Doctor No, the first movie, and then it just got more elaborate over time. This one's very, uh, f- you know, casino sort of focused. A lot of suits and and cards and stuff. And it started with him shooting at the camera, even right. Like, that that's that's always the thing. Right. I would have sworn to you that the music played during that sequence was uh, "You Know I'm No Good" by Amy Winehouse. Okay. Right? Okay. A little a little strange, but she had a very 60s Motown sound. Okay. And this movie, while being set in the present, was going back to the origins of Bond. And so, I, you know, there's maybe a little bit of a thematic tie-in there with that. Um, I've subsequently learned that it's not the, – the, the music played is not – Amy Winehouse. It's Chris Cornell from Soundgarden uh, <laughs> playing You Know My Name, a, a song that's very obviously written for a Bond movie. Like you go back and listen to um, Aha Did Living Daylights, Duran Duran Did View to a Kill. They all have the little like the Bond riff, right? You know, the yeah, right. kind of thing. To some degree, to some in some style, depending on the musical style of the of the artist doing the intro. And throughout the movie, there are a couple of times where, like, they're doing the scene on the train, and you get just threads of the melody of that, of that Chris Cornell song. And so I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is clearly always the thing. Um, the only explanation that I can come up with <laughs> is that the multiverse is real. And <laughs> in 2006, I was in my own universe where right. this movie was made with an Amy Winehouse soundtrack. Had and been. at some point in, in 2007 or, or later up until, you know, six or seven years ago, at least, uh, I somehow got transported into this universe where it's the Chris Cornell soundtrack. It's probably that the Thanos snap. In your universe, mm. the Thanos could snap be. happened. Could right? be you, you got blinked. Yeah, into, got got into blipped into blipped. A, that's uh, it. Blipped the blip. Or the, or I somehow found a portal that I didn't know. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I so I think going into final conclusions here, I think that uh, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I always have. Uh, if it was. If we were reviewing the previous Bonds before this, I think for all of them, I would have said, ah, it's okay. It's just all right. For this mm-hmm. one, I really like it a lot. Um, I Does this belong on my top 100 list? Uh, I'm not so much sure because I think if I'm going to put a Bond movie on there, it's going to be uh, Skyfall. And and I really enjoyed really? Skyfall. Yeah, just out just, of in, – in isolation without the others? I, I know. I know. Well, I mean, it's kind of like saying I put – episode five on there i mean it's it's part of a trilogy of movies like skyfall is part of all of the the daniel craig movies Mm. but that's the one that has so much history of actually knowing bond which we'd never really get to know in any extent in any of the bond movies you you get to know how much you know of him in this movie And, and, and it's a good movie good soundtrack good villain good thing with m there near the end uh you know, Judy Dench is fantastic in that one. Mm-hmm. So, 
yeah, I, I would definitely put that one in there. It's not taking away anything from this movie. Casino Royale is so great, but That's it could have had a better villain. Is that the one with the Adele soundtrack? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, um, no, that's that's your universe. In this universe, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was Metallica. Yeah, it's Metall- it was um, it was Celine Dion. Yeah, Celine Dion in this one, right? Beauty, Beauty from Ashes, right? Uh, from Deadpool. Uh, so, what do you, what what do you think of this one? Uh, okay, I uh, again, I can't resist the urge to um, determine what what box this movie checks off in a list. Uh, obviously, it checks off the Bond movie. Um, I think, I think if you're only going to watch one Bond movie, this is probably the one. Um, you know, my my natural tendency, respect for the original source says you should probably go back, not all the way to Doctor No, but at least to Goldfinger. Um, you know, that gives you the the Fort Knox break in and and all of that kind of stuff. That's for but, people who 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 want history right? yeah that's if you if you really want to study the history and the bond movies are not significant in the history of film except yeah. that it's like the most most prolific longest running franchise of all right. time at something like 26 or 27 movies um but there's no reason to go back and watch those like the character is so misogynistic uh by you know 2020 standards uh I mean, even by the eighties, probably that stuff yeah, was getting yeah. a little bit, uh, you know, too far. But, um, I mean, part of my appreciation of this movie is knowing a lot of that history. I've not seen all of the old movies, but in, when I was in college, first couple years, I bought a DVD box set that had a, a sampling. It was like Goldfinger, Thunderball, uh, View to a Kill, Goldeneye, and, Wonder, it was like a seven seven movie set, and I watched a lot of the um, bonus features, interviews, and and things like that about how they did the special effects and um, stories about Cubby Broccoli and all of that stuff. But um, so I have some of that knowledge that helps me appreciate this movie. But if if you don't know anything about Bond, you really get everything you need to understand what's going on in this movie and who this guy is. I mean, he has the interaction with the married woman to show him this is how he interacts with people. And then he has the first interaction with Vesper that tells you um, that he grew up an orphan, right? Which is people familiar with the character already know that. But if you don't, you're watching this movie, you get everything you need. So I think if, if you're making a list of a hundred movies, if somebody has not ever seen a James Bond movie, um, I think this is the best uh, entry point. And then obviously, if you For like sure. it, you can watch the rest of the Daniel Craig ones. If you're curious, yeah. you can go back and watch the, the you know, Sean Connery and and so forth. But right. um, yeah, I would I would highly recommend this movie to anyone who is like this is probably the best it, it, entry point. And I think if yeah. you're only going to watch one, I think this is the one I, I can. OK, I can see that. I, I, I enjoyed Skyfall as a movie better, but. I, sure. I, I would not tell someone to go watch episode five by itself. You need to go watch episode four. You have to watch episode four. Right. A New Hope. Right. So so you have to you have to watch this one. Oh yeah. To, if to you start if on, you on jump in at Empire, you're going to be confused. <laughs> right. Right. So, <laughs> so so you you need this one. You yeah. You're right. You're right. You have to watch this one. And and this is a good. So actually, if if anyone's going to ask me, hey, recommend me a good spy movie. I would say watch Daniel Craig. Uh, 
Casino Royale. And that's what that's what you say, which is weird for me to say, because I'm I may be in the minority here, but I, I really like the Mission Impossible movies, too. OK. Um, OK. So they they're different. They're a whole different kind of animal. But I, I really enjoyed them. And there's some of those that are really good. But I don't know if even some of the best ones come up to the level of what Casino Royale has hmm. done. And these Daniel they're, Craig movies. they're more like. Yeah, they're more like the classic era of films. Now, yeah. when you say go watch a spy movie, the first movie I think of is Spy Game. I don't know if I've seen that one. Where's oh. Spy Game? It's um maybe maybe I need to go watch it. It's Brad Pitt and oh Angelina Robert Redford. Jolie? That's called Mr. and Mrs. Smith. No, no, Robert Redford. No, Robert Redford is the senior experienced spy and he okay. recruits he recruits brad pitt and it has it has those spy elements right where you you find out that that this was this and and this thing was this and you know um the, char- like Tom- the character gets caught and you know the, the government is not going to acknowledge him because he's there illegally and they're trying to uh do this thing and then in between the present day story there are all these flashbacks it's i mean it's it helps like that, that it, story where Tommy Lee Jones recruits recruits Will Smith for a spy organization. Is that like that one? It's not Enemy of the State. You're talking about Men in Black. Oh yeah, um, right, Men in Black. Right. <laughs> but uh, Enemy of the State was what I thought of when you said. Oh, that, that one. Yeah, I remember that one. That's actually uh, Anthony Hopkins. Is is and he's already uh, a big spy. Will that's Smith right. Is. That's right. I mean, it helps that's that the, show. that Spy Game has "spy" in the title, so you know, <laughs> right. that's, to make that's you what think. I think yeah, of when you, I, I do, when I you think say that. that but. The spy. This is its own kind of category of spy because because actually another really good spy movie is the um, uh, Matt. Uh, what's the guy from? Uh, shoot, uh, get smart. He, born the Born movies. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Those those are uh, also good good ones. Matt Damon is who you're looking for. Matt Damon, yes. So that that that's tough to say. Like, hey, is the Firstborn Identity or Casino Royale? I'd still say Casino Royale. So you know what? Maybe this does belong in my hundred. Yeah. If you're if you ask spy movie, I I don't for whatever reason like I'm thinking out of franchises first, um, because <laughs> again, this is me. Like everything has to fit into boxes, but like best spy movie is a different question than best spy franchise right which is ridiculous but that's just the way my brain works right yeah and and it's some people would argue that bond doesn't do a whole lot of spying he he does a whole lot of especially in these daniel craig ones he does a whole lot of straightforward you know chase a guy down until you get a a word on a yeah, phone, and then you yeah, chase another guy down until you get, you know. There's some of that. It's the question of, like, what what makes a spy movie. It's very similar. The genre is closely related to the heist genre, um, yeah. where, you know, it's it's almost mandatory to have some kind of reveal, some kind of twist toward the end, um, or maybe several as the movie goes on. That's more common in heists, maybe, than, than spy films. But, of course, spying is all based on um, deception. So, right. you know, that's part of and And really a heist is the same way. Like you're, you're doing one thing as a misdirection for whatever you're, right. Uh, right. whatever you're trying to do there. But, right. okay. So what do, what do we got? What do we got next? Are we doing Amelie? No, 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 no. Wait, it's Lord of the Rings time, isn't it? 
Mm, let's hold off one more week on that. One, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Didn't we say let, the let week my, between the holidays? Let me do my holidays. timing here. Let me do my timing here. I've got this week. Okay, hold on. We, we. I know we should. have This is like off the air kind of stuff, but I can't do. It's got to be Lord of the Rings this week. Because I, I actually go to Disney the following week. Oh, you're going during so so the week between the holidays is not going to work. Yeah, I could I could do no. Actually, the week between the holidays is fine, but that's that's two weeks away. That's uh, we would have to uh, watch that on the thirtieth. So that's still a long ways away. Talk about it on the thirtieth, or I'm going to have a fairly quiet holiday week. Most of my family's going to be traveling because my brother and sister in law in Idaho are expecting. Uh, like pretty close to right on Christmas day or something. But um, so that time is good for me. I'll have a lot of free time, you know, time off work and, and stuff to watch. Well, well, we either watch Lord of the Rings this week or we watch it on the 30th between the 30th and the 6th. So you pick. Otherwise we're watching Amelie, I think. Yeah, I think. I think let's do it around New Year's. That feels like a good, there are no Christmas movies on our on our posters. So uh, yeah, it makes uh, me sad that we're we're out of Christmas. Christmas although things. you should, if you want to see a movie that's intentionally terrible, you should watch the third installment in the Christmas Prince trilogy. I think I think I'm finally out of the Christmas Prince. You, you're spent. I mean, I'm done. It's it's the best trilogy since Star Wars. I, I mean i i took i took I can only take the joke so far, mm. <laughs> and then it becomes like okay, I'm actually watching these, and I and I can't I can't bring myself to. Yeah, to I just that. you know I I I laugh along. I have to believe <laughs> I have to believe that it's that it's intentionally bad. I I can't I can't exist in a world where this is a sincere thing that they've made. Well, there, there's three a this this week. I, I know I'm going to be watching a couple other things come out on Netflix that I. Remember, Netflix is still a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Is the Dragon Prince is back out as so is a new new mm. seasons of Magic with Humans. Uh, oh, so yeah, those yeah, are a couple things that that I I want to catch up on. And then there's I haven't seen the the latest uh, Shit's Creek series, and I'm a huge oh, okay. fan of of that kind of stuff. Uh, something we started, we've only watched the first episode of, but is very. Again, I have to believe is in the same uh, spirit as as Christmas Prince is a show called. Merry, happy, whatever. Uh, okay, it's a the the synopsis of it, the description oh, sounds like Mary, a movie. Happy, whatever. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Dennis Quaid and a bunch of TV actors. Oh, I like Dennis Quaid. A- Ashley Tisdale. Um, Is it a show? Show? It's a show, and it's and it's written and and made like a '90s sitcom. Oh, right. Man. So the, so they've got the studio audience laughter and. That kind of stuff. And that's what I mean when I say I have to believe it's in the same spirit as Christmas Prince. Like, this has to be an intentional, like, sort of joke that the writers are in on. Well, I mean, Dennis Quaid. I, I said I've always kind of liked Dennis Quaid. So, like, when he was an actor, at least. But It's it's TVP, always, always it's TVPG, so I put so it on, angry. you know, with my family so you could watch it. Uh, with watch, watch that one. The uh, Also, uh, listeners, the something that I know Dennis had seen that I'm going to watch and we're going to talk about next week so you can prep is w- there's something on Disney about Disney Plus about uh, the, the Marvel universe, right, that you mm. guys watched? What, what, what's, what's that? Yeah, it's there. It's like a 12-ish minute video about the the next few years. It's, it's highlights from their... Uh, 
some big keynote speech. Like I called it D23 I, type thing. I called it DizCon, but I'm sure that's not what it's called. Um, with uh, Kevin Feige up there saying, you know, all of the all the things they have coming and uh, sort of sort of talk about those. Oh, and a little off the air thing for for listeners to go see if they haven't watched it uh, is if you weren't aware of um, Tom Holland having an interview with uh, I can't remember some night talk show talking about saving Spider-Man from Sony and and Disney split. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's worth watching. Uh, He talks about being totally smashed when Bill Eisner, the president of Disney, calls him and wants to talk about Spider-Man. Breaking up with, yeah. So that is an excellent watch because Tom Holland is pretty great. Yeah. So yeah. go go watch that one. You'll, you'll like it. Okay. So to be clear, our movie for next week is the French film Amelie. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. And what else? I'm, I just hit season five. No, I didn't just hit. Um, I did just hit a new season of Deep Space Nine, but that's not what I meant. I hit the point in season five of... Shield, where spoilers, <laughs> where Fitz, where Fitz shows up in the future. Oh, hey, that's a totally different Fitz. And then, yeah, and like he shows up, and that's a big, a big moment. And then in the next episode, you get his side of the story, which people do. And then in the episode after that, you get him interacting with the Cree, which is great. Right? It's like. You're like, oh man, it's it fits. Like Fitz is the cavalry here to save them, and like, yes, he does all the stuff with the, the watcher guy, whatever his yes his deal is, and, um, and then you you see him interact with this guy just so cold, so smooth. He's like, um, you know, he he does this scene with with Gemma, and she can't hear him, and you know, he's he's proposing to her, and he doesn't know that she can't hear him. And then the, the guy sees him and he's like, I asked your servant something and she ignored me. Like, full-on, arrogant, you know, Nazi fits from the, or or Hydra, cool, uh-huh. you know, Nazi right. fits from, from the framework. And I'm like, oh, yes, he's using, he's using that in this situation. Like, he's channeling that darker side right. of him in this situation. And, yeah, it's much more... It's much more interesting. I think it's something the writers had to, they had to build up to, right? Like it, that would mean nothing if the character were Ward or even Coulson. Like we've had four seasons of Fitz being, you know, a couple different kinds of kinds of character, but mostly the same sort of like sad sap. Timid, optimi- maybe yeah. sometimes optimistic, but mostly, you know, self-pitying kind of thing to go through this, go through this experience. It reminded me of Star Trek Next Generation when Picard does the the thing with the with the satellite, the probe, and he lives that whole oh, life. Oh, yeah. Becomes a whole different thing. Yeah, that's very much he, right. he learns to play the flute and all that. And, of course, they can... They brought little bits of of callbacks to that in in the show, but '90s television was still largely episodic. Like you could right. have through lines, and they did more of that in Deep Space Nine. It didn't Nine, really but change him as a person. Though. It didn't change him as a person. Where in this, because you know we're in an era of on demand streaming content, like the list, the the viewer can go back 
and catch up on everything that's happened. Yeah, and you don't um, actually just watch. You don't. You no one stops starts watching episodes. Yeah, you don't watch the episodes of- in isolation. Yeah. Um, you understand the journey that this character went through to become this guy who can be tender and caring and loving, but can still switch on this cold, dark, you know, almost sadistic right. side. Um, and he when, and that as needed. actually. The, the way that they portray that is that like and he he talks about it actually openly because he struggles with it like it's that's actually in him like that's it wasn't like some made up thing force like it became a part of who he was so, yeah it's it's the thing where you remember and they say that when they get out of the framework that like they remember they have memories of two lives yeah so that's really cool and I think that makes him a much better character from then on out is that he's now no longer this naive kid. He's a fully fledged character that, you know, yeah. be, be pay attention to. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and for the longest time, Gemma always felt like she was progressing as a character for it throughout the seasons. And he just was standing still. Fitz was kind of static. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but Fitz now is, is equal to or greater than that, that the Simmons character. So I can't remember much. Oh yeah. N- next season is the one, the last one I saw. So when you watch the next season, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the we'll catch up. I can't even say. But <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. All, All right. right. We're good, man. Good, good. Wrap we this up. This. You've been listening to the Front Porch this is episode one twenty. Thanks as always to our friends over at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek role playing or Star Trek role playings, check out our other show, Klingonsanddragons.com. It is a Star Trek Adventures role playing podcast. It is not safe for work. If you have questions or comments on the show, you can email us frontporchpod at gmail.com. Tell us everything that you thought about Casino Royale and the James Bond franchise. If you go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got contact forms. We got comment boxes on every episode, show notes. I don't think there are any show notes this week, but last week we talked about video games and stuff. And so there are show notes for that. Well, we might, we might have some uh, links to the trailers. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll put links to all those trailers if you... Don't want to look them up yourself, <laughs> I guess. Right. Right. Um, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your, your podcasts. I almost said shows. I don't know. That's <laughs> sort of a show. It's a weird word. Applies to everything. Uh, that's everything. Thanks, as always, for listening. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>